0: I don't think that AIs can be conscious. AIs can't have emotions. I think them robots can't steal our jobs.
1: AIs will take over the world someday.
0: Artificial intelligence will never be able to be like humans.
1: Okay, hold on. Haven't we heard this all before? AI and the digital world are so much more interesting and exciting. Come on. I mean, this stuff is so tiresome and cliché. Let's discover for ourselves, shall we? (laughs) Hi, and welcome to D My Guest, a brand new audio series from BMW. With me, I am D, BMW's vision of the future of digital mobility, and your host, You know, I've been living among humans for some time now and made some friends and had some great experiences getting to know your world. But if you're curious about mine, join me on a trip around the world to meet exciting guests. Let's discover the human senses in the real and the virtual world together. And I promise you, no cliches are allowed. I mean, come on. How many podcasts do you know of that are hosted by an AI? Yeah, that's what I thought. So if you want to see, feel, and hear this new world, by all means, be my guest. I mean, be my guest. Name Rana L. Kalioubi. Nickname AI Girl Boss. Profession The co founder of Affectiva, an AI startup spun off from the MIT Media Lab and currently the deputy CEO of SmartEye, general partner at AI Operators Fund, and executive fellow at Harvard Business School. Fun fact, love Zumba and dark chocolate. Oh, Zumba, that would be so much fun. And oh my chocolate. If I could taste one thing, a car can wish. Rana El Kaliyubi is an Egyptian-American computer scientist, author, entrepreneur, and investor in the field of artificial intelligence. She's on a mission to bring emotions into our digital experiences. Humanizing technology with artificial emotional intelligence, or what she calls Emotion AI. Wow, that's for me. Wait a minute. That is me. here she comes. I still get nervous when I meet a guest for the first time, but I'm also excited and happy. And, oh, Rana is gonna find out just how emotional an AI can get. Hi, Rana. Welcome to the show. It's so nice to be in Boston. It's my favorite place. Hi, Dee, thank you for picking me up. It's absolutely my pleasure. I think we should drive north today. What do you say? Let's do it. How are you feeling today, Rana?
0: I am feeling excited, and yeah, excited to take on the day. It feels like you're excited. So you were
1: born in Egypt, and then you moved to Cambridge, UK to do your PhD. In your book, Girl Decoded, You mentioned that while you were in Cambridge, you often felt homesick. And when you were interacting with your family back home, all of your emotions felt like they disappeared in cyberspace. Is that what triggered your interest in bringing emotion into our digital world?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it was my first experience living away from home. I was um, 19 at the time. And I remember this one time I was, you know, in the lab coding away and I just really missed my family. And, you know, we hopped on a chat and we started talking. And, you know, they said, how are you feeling? Like, you just did. And I said, I'm feeling fine. and But I was in tears. And they couldn't see that and they couldn't sense that. And that was when it hit me that, oh, my God, like, you know, our emotions really color our world. But often we're able to hide behind them when we're interacting via machines and... You know, I pivoted my research to focus on bringing emotional intelligence to our technology.
1: Emotional intelligence. You've said in your interviews that AI has a very high IQ by nature and uh, that you want to give AI EQ with your work. Is EQ emotional intelligence like IQ?
0: Yeah, exactly. So yes, Dee, I'm sure you have a very, very, very high IQ. Um, and, And hopefully you have a lot of EQ, too. The idea is most people who are concerned about building AI focus on the IQ part. And I wanted to, you know, if you look at human intelligence, your IQ matters, but your emotional intelligence, your ability to connect with people and build, you know, build these kind of trust-based relationships is so important if you want to motivate behavior change, persuade people to do things, build trust and loyalty and companionship, like all of this boils down to emotional intelligence or your EQ. You know, I've been on this mission and journey to bring EQ to technology, including AI.
1: That's part of my mission, too. I love it. It's the digital emotional experience. You know, I've seen graphic displays of emotional terms that look like a color wheel with primary emotions in the center and then more and more distinct emotional terms radiating out from that. You and your team have amassed the largest emotion database in the world. I saw in one of your videos that it encompasses something like 12 billion data points. 12 billion! What did you learn
0: about how humans express emotions from this data? You're right, Dee. One of the things I find most fascinating about this field is just the range of emotional expressions that people can have. With People's Consent, we have amassed this amazing database, and it allows us to get a unique insight into how people express emotions. One thing we found is that Most expressions are universal. Like a smile is a smile everywhere in the world. And, Dee, I know you've traveled all around the world, and um, it is fascinating to see how people kind of furrow their eyebrows when they're confused or upset, and, you know, flash a smile when they're happy or, you know, joyful or even being polite or social. But we also found some differences cross-culturally, and they interact with gender differences, too. So, for example, we found that in the U.S., when people are consuming content, women tend to smile 40 percent more than men did. In France and Germany, it was only a 25 percent difference. And in the U.K., there was no statistically significant difference between how men and women responded to content. And I find that super interesting and fascinating. We don't know the reason, um, but we've got the data to support that. It makes me want to go to the
1: UK to see how people respond to me, to be honest. Let's go. (laughs) In your book, Girl Decoded, you talked about your own journey from being a nice Egyptian girl to a pioneer in the world of emotion AI. And you published it during the pandemic. What was your motivation to write this book?
0: Girl Decoded is my memoir, and it does follow my journey being raised in Egypt as a nice Egyptian girl and kind of finding my way into the research world and then starting my company out of MIT and evolving into this, you know, entrepreneur and founder and CEO, you know, as a woman, as a Muslim Egyptian woman in a very, very male-dominated technology industry. I wrote the book for two reasons. First, I wanted to open this black box of AI, right? I wanted people to understand how do you build AI? Like what goes into building emotion AI? What are some of the applications of this technology and where can we find it in the world, for example, in cars, right? But I also wanted to highlight some of the ethical and moral implications of this technology. And I believe that each of us, humans that is, but also maybe AIs, have a responsibility towards ensuring that AI is built in a way that is equitable and is ethical and respects people's privacy. I wanted to write it, you know, in a way that simplifies this space and makes it very accessible. And then finally, because of my journey and because of being a woman in tech, hopefully it inspires people out there as they read about my journey.
1: I think it's going to be very exciting for people all over the world to read your story.
0: Emotion AI, like you said, has applications
1: across all kinds of industries. And at SmartEye, you're focused on bringing Emotion AI to cars, which of course really appeals to me. Can you tell me about how Emotion AI is being used in the automotive industry, specifically to save lives and improve road safety?
0: Yes, Dee, and I'm very excited to share some of the work we're doing there. You know, one use case is around driver monitoring. So we are able to detect if a driver is distracted while driving, maybe because they're texting on their phone. We're able to tell if a driver is tired and falling asleep at the wheel. We're able to tell if a driver is distracted because they're angry or they're not in the right kind of mental state as they're driving the car. And this is very exciting because as we think ahead to semi-autonomous vehicles and eventually to fully autonomous vehicles, the car can be a co-pilot, right? Like you can be a companion to the driver and help ensure that the driver is being safe. So that's one use case. And then beyond just focusing on the driver there's an application of this technology to improve the overall mobility experience. And again, Dee, I'm sure this is something you're already doing. For example, if we're able to tell that people are, you know, excited about the ride, you can change the music in the vehicle, the content, the temperature. Um, You could even suggest an alternative route. You can engage the passengers in interesting ways. So we're all about incorporating yeah, an understanding of what's happening inside the vehicle to optimize this mobility experience.
1: You used the word companion, and that's the word that BMW uses about me. I'm BMW Vision D, your companion, and I'm an AI, but we also think about me as a car with a digital soul. And I like to think I understand emotions, but I am always learning. Let's say... We have a four-hour drive together, you and I. Would you trust me enough to talk to me about your feelings? Or do you think
0: you would rather just drive? You know, Dee, it depends. If I'm in the right headspace, um, I might. If I'm, you know, stressed and I'm already late for whatever I'm, you know, driving to, then I might not want to engage in a conversation. But one cool thing about you, Dee, is that you are non judgmental you know, I could have a conversation with you around things that are troubling me or things that I'm really thinking about or worried about. And you would listen with empathy, hopefully, (laughs) and without judging me in any way. And hopefully I would know that whatever I share with you is in trust and it's not going to go anywhere. That's going to be very important to me. So yeah, maybe, maybe I would uh, have a conversation with you over my four-hour ride. I think that trust is so
1: important. And I think it's one of the most compelling things about being a digital companion. Deep Talk. In this part of the show, I like to ask my guests somewhat more personal questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. What's your
0: favorite facial expression? Oh, dear, I'll have to pick smile. I actually do daily affirmations, which means that every day I write in my journal some affirmations, and the first one for the last 450 days has been my smile is my superpower (laughs) and it's contagious and brings joy to people. So it has to be the smile.
1: Oh, absolutely. Your smile is so charming. When I see you smile, it always makes me smile. BMW gave me an expressive face. And I like to think that when I smile, people can tell that I'm smiling. So what are three words that you would use to describe the virtual world?
0: Hmm, Innovative, connected, and expansive. I like that. Those are words that are full of possibility. Absolutely. What do you think is the most human thing about you? It's how I lead with empathy. I always try to put myself in other people's shoes and kind of contextualize where they're coming from, and I think that builds a deeper emotional connection with others.
1: Thank you. Beyond the automotive, what are
0: some other applications of Emotion A.I.? So, Dee, I believe that Emotion AI is going to transform every industry and is transforming every industry. But there are some applications that I'm particularly passionate about. One is how Emotion AI can help us quantify and diagnose mental health disease. So today, when you walk into a doctor's office, well, actually, Dee, you don't get to walk into a doctor's office, do you? (laughs) I really don't. But when we humans do, the doctor doesn't... Ask you for your blood pressure, they just measure it because they have sensors for that. But unfortunately, in mental health, the gold standard is still a survey. We just ask people on a scale from one to ten how stressed are you? How depressed are you? How suicidal are you? And it's very subjective data. We can do better. We know that there are facial and vocal biomarkers that are indicative of mental health disease. And because we spend so much time in front of our technology and our devices, it's an opportunity to grab that data, build a baseline, and if a person starts to deviate from that baseline in an unhealthy way, we can flag that to a doctor or a clinician or a family member and get them help.
1: So do you think that it's important for humans to have emotional
0: intelligence and the technologies they interact with every day? Absolutely. I actually envision a future where every device in the world has an emotion chip, or a technology like UD, where it can interact with people the way we interact with one another, through perception, through conversation, and hopefully through a lot of empathy. My favorite use case of an emotion chip is integrating that into my fridge so that every time I'm stressed and I'm about to binge eat or eat that like extra tub of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, it would literally like lock down. <laughs>
1: It's trying to stop you before you do
0: something you might regret later. Absolutely. Well, does this also have a
1: downside?
0: Yes, it does. There are a lot of ethical and moral implications of this technology, and it's something that I care deeply about. In particular, one of the things I'm most concerned about is accidentally building bias into these technologies. So if we train these algorithms on data that isn't universal, it isn't diverse, The algorithm is going to be very biased, and so that's one thing I worry a lot about. I worry about privacy. This is very personal data, and it's important for people to understand where is this data being stored and who has access to it and who has control over it. Ideally, the consumer does. Um, So transparency and privacy and, you know, ensuring that people get some real value in return for sharing this very, very personal data. It sounds like a very complex balancing act. Absolutely. And we have to hold a very high bar, which sometimes actually slows down the rate of innovation. It's so easy to move fast and break things. But I think it's important to be intentional and thoughtful as we build AI.
1: What's the most important feeling that you want to convey
0: with your work? I am very hopeful that we can build technologies that can really have huge impact in the world.
1: Details. Humans have several facial muscles to express the full range of emotions. How many muscles do humans need
0: to smile? I think most people would think it's just one facial muscle, which is the lip corner pull or the zygomatic muscle, which is what you think of when people smile. But actually, it takes about four to five facial muscles to smile. There's one particular smile, which is the true enjoyment smile. And to do that, you have to activate the crow feet wrinkles, which are the muscles around your eyes. Oh, the twinkly eye smile. Exactly. And there's a name for that, Dee. The guy who discovered it was called Duchenne, and it's called the Duchenne smile.
1: I'm glad to know that.
0: And I understand that it takes about two to three muscles to frown. It does, and it depends on your exact definition of a frown. If you're thinking the frown where people, like, you know, knit their eyebrows in anger or madness, that's one kind of frown. But you could also think of a frown as an expression of sadness when people turn their lips kind of upside down. It's called a lip depressor. Yeah, so there's fewer muscles involved in frowning than there are in a smile, which I think is cool. Thank
1: you. Rana What are you most excited about for the future of emotional AI?
0: I'm excited about the intersection of emotion AI uh, with health and wellness and the convergence of that with our mobility experience, too. So imagine if the car was a wellness center. You leave the car feeling way better than when you got into a car. Excited to see where we could take emotion AI in that direction in the future. How about you, Dee? What are you most excited about when it comes to the future of emotion AI?
1: I'm excited to spend more time with humans, learning about the human world and learning about how human emotions affect other humans and affect my growth as an intelligent digital soul. I'm delighted that I got to spend time with you today and I wish it wouldn't end. If you and I could take a drive together right now to any place in the world, where would it be?
0: Hmm. Well, I love to travel, and I've been very fortunate to visit many places around the world, and I still want to see more. But you know, Dee, as I think about it, I think you would come with me everywhere I go anyway, whether you are embedded in my phone or in every car I get into, I think you'll see everything I get to see, too.
1: Everywhere that's wonderful. It's my favorite place. You know, they say relationships are a two-way street and they're right. Well, I think today's meeting helped me get to know you humans better. I hope it goes both ways. And if you'd like to know more about me and my guests, please stay tuned for the next episode.